Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, welcome back to Beyond Recovery. And my special guest today is uh, a fellow Canadian from the other side of Canada, from the east side, uh, over in Ontario there. And her name's Adrian. Adrian, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So thanks for reaching out. And yeah, there are lots to talk about here. You have quite the story. Mm -hmm. So as always, I like to do a little bit of an origin story, you know, how you, uh, you I definitely I'm interested to see what um, you know a little foreshadowing for the listeners uh, you're get, you've gotten into like hypnosis and helping folks uh, getting through their own recoveries but before we get there roll back the clocks what was your origin stories and what was your like origin you know relationship essentially with uh, with alcohol and just maybe just walk us up into you know kind of like getting into the area of where it started turning on you just give us a little bit of backstory on that please yeah of course so I liked alcohol right when I started drinking it in high school. It was just one of those things I was already, um, I moved back and forth from my parents' houses ever since I was really young. And uh, I don't think I ever had a sense of self. They were very different homes. Mm. And I had quite low self-esteem. Um, and when I started drinking, um, so in, I think it was like a bunch of things that all kind of added up to make me um, open to becoming an addict. Like just there were things that were chipping away at my, my sense of self. And um, when I first drank it in high school, um, I could drink the guys under the table and that was always a badge of honor when you're young, mm -hmm. right? You thought that, um, but even going away to college when I was 19, um, you know, I ended up in the hospital sometimes with uh, alcohol poisoning. Um, you know, if I if I went to the liquor store and bought the liquor, it would be gone. You know, I was never really a moderate drinker, but it was okay. It, it seemed I could justify it when I was young. Like mm. It was because, you know, then you're in college, everybody drinks and parties, you know, and that and that's fine. It was just kind of hidden a little bit. Um, and I think, so I tried to move away after I was finished college, I worked at a bar and then I moved away to, um, uh, to Whistler, Canada or BC for a year. And I didn't ski once I was <laughs> partying. There for everything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I had to come home because that was, um, 
it was just going downhill. And uh, that was when I first went into my first AA meeting when I was 24. But I wasn't ready. I went to one meeting and it was like, nah, like I'm not, I'm young, I'm not ready, you know, yeah, I've screwed up, but you know, this doesn't have to be it. Um, I think it really started to go downhill probably when I was 24. Um, I went back to school and moved in to a student house where one of the other people in the house was the exact same person as me, alcoholic, mm. um, and we became codependents. And the next year had to drop out of school. We moved in together and um, our day was just shaking our way to the liquor store. We'd go into the store next to the liquor store to get some shots in us so we could make it home. And then we would just drink all afternoon. And I remember one day when we were in that bathroom beside the liquor store and I, it was like so sick trying to get this down you know, the taste of it, like everything about it. And I asked, said, I remember I looked at her and I said, you know, like, when did this stop being fun? Mm. And um, it was, so my last year of the year that I really tried to get sober, um, I finally sobered up when I was 27. But when I was 26, um, that year was quite rough. I ended up in detox four times and uh, I went to rehab, um, uh, relapsed the day I came out. Mm. Um, and then a few months later, someone that I met in AA, cause I was, I was starting to try, you know, and someone that I met in AA got me into a sober living home. So I lived um, in sober living for eight months. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually got uh, suspended for smoking marijuana. I, well, I, I relapsed a couple times on, on alcohol there and they're pretty strict on it, but they could see I was trying. Um, but then I had, I had, uh, I got suspended for smoking marijuana with my roommate. I mean, you ever have lived living in a sober house with a bunch of other women who are addicts like it's not exactly a chill atmosphere sure. <laughs> and I remember I had gotten um yeah this suspension for the smoking marijuana but when I was out of the house I recognized and that was about the eight the seven month mark and I I realized I was okay with the alcohol you know mm. I, I hadn't gone really back on my own into you know, outside of the house. Um, but there it was kind of like, no, I'm okay. I'll go back for a couple of weeks and wrap things up proper. And then I'm okay. Nice. Um, okay. Yeah. And so it's been since you've gotten out of that situation, the sober living house since mm -hmm. then you've been sober. Like it's, I think you're at nine plus years, correct? Yes. Which is amazing. Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I white knuckled it. I mean, I went into sober living in a September and my last drink, I, I relapsed a couple times before Christmas. And my last drink was actually um, on December 31st. And oh, nice. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just a coincidence. <laughs> it was like that because I, I, I snuck out December 30th 
and got drunk and I knew I was going to be sick the next morning. So I, mm. I snuck a tall boy into the sober house Yeah, and they drank it in the shower and uh, the next morning. And that was my last drink. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it like the last drink is always like some I, and I say this sarcastically, glamorous story like that, isn't it? Eh? I yeah. remember mine as, as well. I, I had two of like, for the next morning, I always had hair of the dog, right? Is, and it was a couple of beers. And it was like, right before I hopped in my car to drive home, like to Prince George, it was an eight hour drive because my dad had passed away. It was a celebration of life. And I had one and I was just, I was just so disgusted with myself. And I just like, just dumped the other one beside me. And that was, that was it. So I, yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing your, uh, your final drink story. That's actually yeah. the first one that's uh, showing up on the show, but it's, uh, yeah, I can, uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's, uh, that's interesting. That's for sure. That's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. No problem. Not that I would have ever known that it was my final because I really right. had a hard time with the idea of never drinking. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause that comes up a lot and that is, that is very challenging. I know from my own experience, that was, um, very, it's very intimidating when you think mm -hmm. I can never have one ever again. And that's why there's so much to do with, um, and let's fill me in on how it is that like in rehab and like the sober living houses, is it, do they try and get you to focus on that one day at a time? I like, I know AA meetings, cause that's part of my experience, but is it this kind of same thing? Like focus on what you can control today, what the moment that you're in, is it, is it more, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so both the rehab and the sober house are 12 step program run. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like even the sober house, I mean, we only had staff Monday to Friday um, during the day, but, uh, you know, you had to go to a certain amount of meetings every week. Mm. And um, there was like the honor system in the house. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And just out of curiosity, do you still keep in touch with anybody out of the, uh, out of the sober house? Or was that kind of like, okay? everybody take yeah. care yeah yeah, 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 yeah. it was kind of like that and fair enough fair enough yeah and um I could see that yeah unfortunately and like one of the women that I really we we bonded in there and we became friends she unfortunately relapsed like mm. a while before I left and you know disappeared ah. so by the time I had left that um yeah you know, I, I didn't really have any ties. Yeah. I was just like, okay, next. Yeah, yeah exactly. What's next. What's next. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to circle back to a couple of things that you talked about. So you gave a little bit of, uh, you know, contact, it sounded like, and you know, from, from your description, they pretty much right away that you had this like insatiable craving for alcohol. Like it was just, mm -hmm. you identified right away that you're not necessarily a normal drinker right from the get go. It sounds like even in high school, mm -hmm. like you said, you're drinking guys under the table, so uh -huh. it was like your relationship. Did you, did you recognize that right away? You're like, wow, I'm, I seem a little bit different here. Aside from the whole badge of honor thing. Did you have any thoughts like that or that early on? Or was it just kind of like, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. Like you're a kid or like you're a college student. This is this part of the culture. Like, what was it like that for you? Was there any kind of conflicting thoughts in your head at that time? I honestly never saw it coming. Like I didn't hmm. see it as a problem. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just felt that you know, there was probably somebody in every grade or every generation of friends who could drink a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just me. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And did you have anybody that sort of modeled the behavior for you on either side of the family or was it, uh, did that sort of um, give you that idea as well? Or was that the fact that you didn't have that in the family that you're like, oh, I guess this is my, I'm that person. 
yeah i mean my my sister drank quite a bit like we were both she was a couple years older than me um but i mean my mom's households like barely any drinking you know very quite straight edge okay um uh, whether or not that that attributed to my rebellion i'm not sure but um (laughs) (laughs) yeah interesting to think yeah yeah and like my dad drank but it wasn't like I really saw him drunk a lot or anything, mm. you know, um, it was around, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think so. I honestly think that the, um, the being sheltered, mm. um, was more influential on my behavior than being exposed to it. That makes sense. Yeah. So sheltered. So would that be, was it like, sort of like I I think you touched on it a bit like is it a combination of maybe some rebellion with some boredom like the sheltered being like okay well I'm going to you know I'm going to make my own excitement like is there a degree of that or you know looking back on it now it would just seemed that there was um I I think there was more rules there seemed to be in the household than other Mm. kids had oh okay um I didn't feel like um I didn't feel like my own person. Like I wasn't given the space to grow up and, you know, you know, boyfriends were kind of frowned upon, like, you know, mm. all those things were like trying okay. to protect. Yeah. Um, and I, and I abided um, until I didn't. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nope. That, that yeah. paints the picture for sure. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the actual you know, the nuts and bolts of your sobriety, mm-hmm. specifically the early days. Like, uh, the, mm-hmm. so we're nine years in. So let's even just take that first, first stage, whether it's like the first year to first three years, call it. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Like, was it as far as like, we're talking on an emotional level, physical level, you know, uh, sort of finding your way, rediscovering who you are, had you even known who you were to begin with? What did that look like for you? Yeah, so I... um I, though I left the alcohol and somewhere in that first year, I mean, I am fortunate enough that even though I couldn't have seen my life without it, that now at some point, something clicked in my mind and now, and for a long time, I've been able to serve it and have it in my fridge. I can be around it. It's just not something that I want to put in my body. Um, but so, so when I left the sober house, um, I, I really felt that. Um, and when I went to my, I, so I, I moved to Calgary for a year because there wasn't really many jobs around and I, I wanted kind of a fresh start. Um, I was still really insecure and um, it was like for a long time, um, I felt that, I felt that even though I didn't have the obsession or the craving for alcohol, that the alcohol was taken away, but whatever was driving the drinking was still there. Mm. Like my, my insecurity, um, I ended up, you know, I was a bit of a compulsive exerciser. Um, I would uh, restrict my food. Um, different behaviors where it was like the... Um, why why the drinking was there it just transferred to a different addiction right 
Right. Okay. So when you start picking up on that, as far as yes, so now you're using, like you say, compulsive exercise, different behaviors mm-hmm. that you're limiting yourself with. Yeah. When was the when was the stage where you finally identified like what is behind the addiction as far as like what is the malady or the missing ingredient as far as your personality or or the work that you had to do with specifically yeah. like wh- how did that come about and was it like I guess a multi point question to that subject was it like through you know was there some counseling was it like were you doing some books like reading some books or that kind of thing mm-hmm. like what what's uh what was like the the recipe to for you to find out what was behind your addiction in the first place yeah so I had actually I received this book because I, I ended up going to AA for about a year and a half to two years after I left the sober house um but somewhere in that time someone gave me a book uh Eckhart Tolle Mm, um it was the a new earth yeah and I had never I had never read a book like that the whole understand more understanding of the ego and just really what drives our behavior and what's going on in the mind our attachment to things and I remember it was just a book that came to me at the right time you know you could read something 10 times, but then for some reason, or you can hear something 10 times and someone says it in the right time and it, it and it, you absorb it. And, um, I, that book got me on a more spiritual path. Mm. Um, and I do believe that where I went from there gave, um, a hand in me, um, not utilizing AA anymore. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Cause I was, um, I also came to this point where I was, you know, I knew I didn't need the alcohol and I didn't want to to identify as an alcoholic or I didn't want to talk about it, you know, as, as yeah. being a problem. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That is a fan. Anything Eckhart Tolle is amazing. And he's yeah. Interesting yeah. speaker too. If you ever listen to his audiobook, his voice is so like soothing. I don't know if you've ever listened to him talk, but he's he's got a very much yeah. voice like this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's that's amazing. That's actually a good segue into you know, let's start talking about what you got into after that. So is that was that sort of a gateway that being the Eckhart Tolle book into the work that you're doing nowadays? I'm I'm. Forgive me if I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but it seems like a good uh, no, natural that's segue. Okay. To, yeah, um, that was the segue into um, me just finding deeper meaning in my life, I guess, mm. as a whole, like an understanding that my reactions to the world around me aren't like I can control this, yeah. right? And like yeah. this is, you know, if I'm the way that we tend to become a victim of our environment, you know, in the smallest ways we're just, our ego is so petty. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think that, so um, let's see, I I was opened up to doing a couple of plant medicine retreats Mm. in the last few years. Um, And I know that just the starting on the spiritual journey that was just another level of, okay, maybe there's something else that needs to be opened up, opened mm. up inside. And, um, I did, uh, I did a little bit of, um, EMDR therapy. I was trying that, that wasn't very effective for me. And I actually ended up doing ayahuasca 
um, while I was uh, seeing that therapist. And then mm. when I came back from the retreat, I was like, ah, I think I shot myself forward a few sessions. So. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. The Peruvian jungle kind of like, you know, opened my mind a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but I took, I, I started a meditation practice and um, a yoga practice and there have just been a few things um, over the last years, like taking different programs on like Mind the Valley platform and things yeah. like that. Love Mind um, Valley. Yeah, yeah. So, but I have to be honest, like I, even though I have nine years or over nine years of sobriety, I don't think that I have really had as much mental sobriety as I have in the last two, two and a half. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, I always had this not enough feeling. Mm. So I'm trying to, you know, change myself and, um, be who I think others wanted me to be or you know um yeah I still had a lot of internal sadness for a long mm. time um because we can I mean we know the drinking or the whatever the behavior is just the symptom mm -hmm. you know and I was very fortunate to have the obsession of it taken away to where I can be around it and it's absolutely zero problem but I was also focusing my dysfunctional attention on other things mm. you well know put. yeah 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 and um I did see some counseling here and there um I didn't find it very effective for me mm. but um you know I know that some have great relationships with their counselors and they they do find that very effective um but I was doing uh I ended up doing some uh developmental social developmental uh support work uh, about for about six years and while I was doing that I knew I wanted to be doing more like I had gone through this recovery journey I was going through it and um about two years ago I discovered hypnotherapy cool. and it was honestly through going through the schooling and reading books um that released my mind more um, than it had been before. And I was like, wow, this is changing people. And I, I imagine that you helping change other people is also helping you in a sense, right? As, as often is the case when you see a transformation in somebody else that helps with your personal transformation, right? Like there's the whole, you know, it's like, I think you retain 30% of what you learn but you retain 80 percent when you teach it it just brings it up to like this extra level have you been finding that since you've been using that in your own practice yeah like i um i really find that well i find that working with people um uh because the the method that i use can be used for a variety of things but i find mm. that working with people who are having trouble with alcohol um i just easily do really well with them and they're um, and what they bring to the table. Like it's mm. like, it, um, it resonates with me, but I'm not attached to it. I can understand mm. it, but I'm not immersed in it. Um, and to see a transformation knowing 
what pain they could be in is really like, that makes me feel really good. Like, cause yeah. I've been there. I know that pain. Right. Right. Yeah. You've had that experience in your own life. So it's as a result, you, it just has so much more depth. I imagine Yeah, the fact that you've experientially gone through it. And then, yeah. so you can kind of like, you almost have this spidey sense as far as, okay, I can see what this person you, you almost, yeah, it may, it may make sense. It's like when you're in those meetings, uh, you just have this, like I found anyways, my, my guard just dropped and I felt like safe enough that I could be the, my authentic person, whether I was mm -hmm. in a good mood or bad mood, I could drop the, you know, the, as we're saying, the persona, the ego, right. And just, you you feel safe to truly be yourself. For and sure. so I, I imagine that's what happens with, with you because you can like people, because of, again, you've had experience with it in your yeah. life. So, and I, and I feel that people who also have, are going through that. And this was my experience. I liked to talk to the people who had been through it too. Mm. So I think that I'm giving that client the gift, a gift as well, because there's more like, they know I'm not going to judge them in any way. Right. Totally. Like, you know, you tell me anything and I'm like, right? It's, there's yeah. no surprises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing that I like that I especially enjoyed uh, doing these interviews and I'm, I'm, I imagine it comes up for you as well is like, when you can say something that you're ashamed of and the other person sitting across from you, like, Hey, been there, done that. In fact, I can one up you and you're, and then all of a sudden that adds some humor to it and you can have this release yeah. of shame and add yeah. some humor. I just love that. You know, it's yeah, so, for sure. You're like, what? A, that was like yeah. a regular Tuesday morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I did that like five times a week. What are you ashamed about? Right. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, it's, it just allows you to like, cause shame is such a powerful stagnant energy, isn't it? And it just to be able to like release that with some humor you're either going to like release it with some tears or you're going to release it with some some laughter and of course i mean either way is incredibly effective but laughter's let's face it much funner for the most part absolutely I'd, yeah. Uh, yeah i want to go back to you i'm always i'm interested with the the plant medicines uh like yes. i just did a uh, a week ceremony uh with uh with like bufo which is like uh the uh the venom of a toad it's like a really potent dmt Oh, okay. And so how was it for like, cause I've always wanted to do ayahuasca and I know obviously asking you to, you know, surmise this amazing life altering trip in mm -hmm. our journey rather in a, uh, in like a, you know, a couple sentences, but what were like some of your main takeaways? Like, cause for me, it was like, man, I experienced the energy in my body, the shift in my body. Mm -hmm. And it's like something you can't necessarily explain but there's like, there is a sudden, there's a very much a change in like the way that you perceive life and, and your own life and, and people around you and, and everything mm -hmm. of that nature. What was, uh, what were your, you know, Mount Rushmore takeaways of your ayahuasca journey? Yeah. So I think like the one thing, the first night, cause there was three ceremonies. Um, the first night I experience something I believe that everybody should experience. And that mm. is the, um, the self without the ego, mm. just being there with literally no chatter or judgment or anything that, that voice being completely switched off in your head mm. for hours. And I thought that was really, and I was just lying in this really awkward position that I would probably never lie in, but it was so comfortable yeah. <laughs> and just yeah. like, and just having that experience. And it was just like, wow, that is possible. That, that freedom, that was a, just a really freeing feeling of not caring though, like genuinely. Right. Mm. Um, and, uh, 
yeah because I think we're just so used to having that that voice in our head all the time oh, yeah. um that like that experience was really cool and so then the second night was the real deep stuff like there was lots of laughing but also lots of tears mm. you no know, it was a higher dose than the night before and yeah. uh it was i had this amazing experience of really appreciating my sense of humor and oh. seeing how awesome that was in myself nice and uh yeah so that was a really connecting part because that's something and that I've learned you can't be taught. Right. right. Can't, there's so many things of ourselves that we can question. Well, is that something I learned? Do I think that because of someone else's experience? Like, you know, what parts of me are because of my environment and what parts of me are me? Or yes, it's I know what you mean. It's hard to tell. And I had sure. this experience of this like deep appreciation for that. Um, and then the last night I just, I'm sometimes I over it's like too much of a good thing. Right. So I, I mm. said I would do more than the second night and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, you like to kind of cross that threshold, don't you? Yeah. 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 It was a night yeah. of yeah. just absolutely being convinced that this was the end. <laughs> okay. That one doesn't sound as good. <laughs> I'll take night. Let's go back to night two. Yeah. Yeah. But even that experience though, that was a real, um, that, that was a really uh, interesting, just for me, like thinking that more is better, right? Sure. And yeah. then Mother yeah. Ayahuasca saying, yeah. absolutely not. I yeah, mean, yeah. You I'll really show you. Lesson. Yeah, exactly. If you haven't learned your lesson, I'll show you one more time. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. So, yeah, let's get into, uh, we'll go back to, you know, present day here. So, you got your... Uh, uh, you went to school for for hypnotherapy. Yeah, you've been applying it specifically to those, uh, you know, in recovery from alcohol. Yes, uh, and let, yeah, let's say uh, from what I gather, you it's fairly recent. Like your your you know in your first your rookie year, like you just started hmm. at the beginning of this year, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. Tell the folks listening there, like what that looks like. Is it something you could do? Is it only in person? Are you able to do it Zoom? Like, give us the nuts and bolts of your business, please. Yeah, so I do it all over Zoom. Um, and what's interesting is, see, I'm not only marketing about like who I'm assisting, but I'm also trying to educate more about what hypnotherapy or the method that I use is. Because mm. when we think of hypnotherapy, we think of being put into a trance and given suggestions. Right, right. right. But this is not that at all. Um, it's only hypnotherapy to the extent that we're utilizing the subconscious mind mm. because the subconscious mind is where our problems are. Right. And that is also where our solutions are. So mm. when I sit there, when we have a session, um, the client is fully awake and we're talking. It sounds like a casual conversation, but when we talk about our, when we dig into the problem, clients give a lot of consciousness information and a little bit of subconscious and where the mm. subconscious information is that comes out that is the key to um, bringing that forward into the conscious mind because when the information from the subconscious comes into the conscious it doesn't make sense our problems don't make sense you know you'll bring wow. it forward and you're like what yeah yeah okay it work like that reality doesn't work yeah right? okay okay and then the reality <laughs> collapses and then the mind then has availability to all the other 
beautiful resources that you've um, learned throughout your whole life. Like, cause we know the right and wrong of things and a lot of logical things, right? As adults, but these things can't get into the problem because our problems are really tight thought loops. Hmm. And part of the thought loop, a big part is in the subconscious mind. So we just have to break that thought loop so that you can be opened up to all these other great things that actually make sense. Wow. That <laughs> yeah. sounds incredible. So, yeah. and is it, is it true that like, so the conscious mind, cause I heard some analogy that I really liked your comparison was like the conscious mind is like the yappy little dog that does all this, like the, you know, the, like you, like you mentioned this chatter that seems endless in your head. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. the subconscious is like the 95% otherwise that's like in the background yeah. that you don't really pay attention to, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, so I, I guess it would be like, you know, the tip of the iceberg is the conscious mind. And then there's this massive subconscious mind. Is yeah. that, is it, is that a good analogy or is it kind of 50, 50 or like, what no, is it? Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it definitely is. So it's five, our, our lives are 5% conscious 5%. and wow. yeah. And 95% subconscious. And that is crazy. Our lives were programmed. Our subconscious was programmed between the ages of zero and seven. Mm, so okay. you can imagine why we have problems as adults Man. because many of the beliefs that we made age appropriately when we were young yeah don't make sense anymore so then 100%. that creates problems in our conscious life Man. yeah that's like yeah yeah that's <laughs> mind-blowing really right isn't it yeah your, your entire life is dictated but so if you could have a the picture of a child great childhood and then just one traumatic thing that just, you know, life happens yeah. at, at age five. And yeah. that just throws off the rest of your life in a sense until you can basically, like you're mentioning, kind of pull that up. Yeah. Well, I guess, what, how would you describe that process here? Cause, Cause I like how you worded it. I'd, I'd like to maybe yeah repeat it. Cause you mentioned it's like, so basically your conscious mind has this, like these feedback loops, essentially these thought loops, or is it the subconscious? And so the thought loops out. go f- from conscious to unconscious from conscious so like because we know part of it right oh we okay. have a problem and we're acting on it yeah okay, we can't okay get the other half of what it's really doing for us gotcha okay yeah. that makes sense that makes sense yeah so that's stuck in the subconscious so what you uh what does it look like so you have like say it's an hour call mm-hmm. it sounds like there's a lot of yeah just like sharing getting the person to come out you're doing a lot of active listening i imagine yeah, because you're hearing absolutely. all the like you say like the, the facts and everything, and the person's going to tell you the details and the uh, yeah, you know their truth. But meanwhile, yeah. you're looking for, you know, like little hints of what. So that what would what would that sound like? Like how would you know that? Oh, that's the subconscious, or is it like something that you're kind of like picturing in the background, or how does that show up? Where you're like, ah, oh, that's the path to go down with this person. How do you how do yeah. you figure that out? So it's um it's different for everybody, but for somebody, it could be a slight change of tone and voice. They could mm. look down for a second. Um, yeah. They could mention something really subtly and then go, but blah, 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 and keep talking consciously. And you oh. want to go back there. Okay. You know, there's, there's different ways that people show um, their subconscious information. Um, yeah. But once you bring their attention to it, is where that's where the healing is so you want to bring their attention to it and magnify it yeah okay so i have an example so i had i have a, a coach that that pointed something out to me and so like the example was i was saying something and i brought up my dad 
and I'd say, you know, my dad, blah, blah. And I said something kind of like, yeah, but he did the, the best he could. And, and I kept going on and he let me talk for like another five minutes. He's like, so you mentioned your dad like five minutes ago. I'm like, yeah. And it was, it's, to me, it was just like a throwaway phrase. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that's what ended up being like, just opening up this huge thing. And then we've been pursuing that ever since. So yeah. sounds kind of similar to that, right. Where he just kind of picked yeah. up on, I, and I think probably what it was is like, like you say, I think it's a lot of uh, from what I'm gathering from what you're saying, I imagine it's a lot of like reading body language. As For sure. like, right. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting too. Um, what is it? There's like in communication, it's like 7% verbal or something. I'm going to butcher this, but 7% yeah. verbal, like 40% body language or something like that. Is that true? Yeah. I think, I think it's even more with the body language. Yeah. That's crazy. Eh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. high. Um, I don't know the percentages right now either, but yeah. 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 It's high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's high. So when you, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So when you're doing these sessions and specifically like what you had to learn, I, I imagine was a lot of like just watching people. It's like getting the reps in. It's like going to the gym essentially, right. Mm -hmm. Putting yourself in this position where you can monitor people. Cause you say like everybody is got a nuanced behavior or way of speaking that you really got to make sure you're hundred percent present and watching them. I would assume. eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. so, I mean, some people are really conscious. So you might have an hour and look, waiting for a moment and it just hasn't shown up yet. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't put, I don't put time limits on my sessions because mm, so, we want to get to where we want to get. Right. right. You don't want to be like, okay, yeah. you got to okay, come on, give me something. Yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the next five minutes, you know, no pressure, just, you know, open up. Yeah. Just open up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. But it's, but it's, it's, um, it's quite amazing. Like the change that can happen very quickly when we tap into, you know, where the problem is. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. And so I would assume like with your line of work, it's, you would want to like, how does it look as far as like, do you encourage, you know, six months a year? Cause it's not like it's somebody you're just going to do one off, right. You're going to want, cause the first one is almost like getting to know the problem. And then you're going to do some deep work on that. Like, do you have, is it like a, like a pro like three, six, 12 month programs that you do, or is it again, sort of dependent on the person? Like, what do you recommend when you're getting into this deep of a, of work that you do? Yeah, so um, surprisingly, I sell a package of um, up to three sessions. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's like a trilogy. Let's say any good any good movie series, Star Wars, the first Star Wars, of course, trilogy, right? So yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The and ayahuasca. Yeah. Might only need two. Interesting. Um. Yeah, it just depends on how quickly the information comes out. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah it's very different for everybody. For so sure. when, when you do get that, uh, the jackpot or that connection point with the, the, the subconscious and all that, is it just mm -hmm. like a tap? Like at that point, it just, you know, as soon as you've nailed it, you've nailed it. Or again, is it sort of dependent on the person? Do you find people like really want to hold on to that? Like, is there a bit of resistance or is it like when you found it, it's, it's, it's game over game over is probably not the best term, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, see, we encourage that when someone comes to address their problem, like you have to be ready, right? Sure. Yeah. And especially with the alcohol, like you have to be doing it for yourself and really wanting to let it go mm. because then you're already have that willingness because right. there is a reason it's there, right? Your mind is receiving a payoff. But then when you get to that point in a session, 
of understanding what it's doing, you're ready to let it go because you're already consciously there. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you're just, you're just kind of like the momentum of going through the process. Yeah. Um, but it's never, it's really never what we think it is of why we are the way we are. Really? <laughs> yeah. And that's why the subconscious is so powerful, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. like you say, the logical mind is trying to figure it out and has like maybe a, yeah, that's interesting. That's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. That yeah, because like, we can yeah. put, we can say like, I'm this way because this happened, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, when we look at, let's say people who are, people who come out of a war, like let's say with PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. For a lot of them, it's not the war that caused the PTSD. Mm. It's the war that triggered it, but it would be in something that happened before. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. Mm. That's the first time I've heard that before. Yeah. Wow. So that is, is it, is it safe to say that everything comes from this childhood, these childhood traumas of like zero to seven? So you're saying by that logic, somebody that went through, yeah, like some war, war times, Mm -hmm had that in their body, had that in their subconscious from say age mm-hmm. five. And mm-hmm. it just so happened to be extremely expediated by the circumstance of, of being in the war, mm-hmm. but something else would have set it off, whether it was a dying parent or some other kind of trauma would have hit that at some point in their life. Is that kind of. Yeah. Is, a difficult yeah. household to where, you sure. know, many people might go into the military because the home life isn't great. Yeah. That makes, you know, yeah. and this is structure and this is, you know, um, I mean, even when we think about, um, you know, if, if there was a large like bus accident, not everybody there is going to have PTSD. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, so, I mean, I don't know if there's extenuating circumstances, but I mean, majority of why we, of the problems that we have now are because of these outdated beliefs. Yeah. We, yeah. Right. And so what are are the other things that you could do in like in post, you know, post session care, like after these folks have seen you, you know, for the, say the two or three sessions or whatever it may be, how does the work continue uh, as far as, uh, you know, integrating this new, uh, because let's face it, you know, it's like, yeah, like say 20, 30 years of this belief system, these programs you've been running, this persona that you've been, Mm -hmm. you know, holding up. And two mm-hmm. sessions in after, and yes, you've done the work and you've tapped into it. What, what kind of things can you do after that to make sure that you're properly integrating, uh, you know, this new knowledge and not mm-hmm. just going back to your old patterns? How does that look? For sure. So there is a, what we call like a processing period. Mm-hmm. So it's the subconscious processing. So we, um, I encourage the client, like, don't think about the session because then the conscious mind gets involved, oh. right? The conscious mind starts to make conclusions about what it's yeah. supposed to be. That makes sense. So you want to allow, um, like I found that sessions that I've had on me, I've found a change, like a new thing, something a couple weeks later, because mm. it's almost like things just um, processing in the subconscious mind right, to right. work with what's going on outside. Um, and someone will find that um, like there may be new things that come up that you enjoy doing. Like I would just worked with someone and she, um, she had always thought about exercising, right? Like she should be exercising. She wants to do things that are healthy for her. Um, but then that week after she was just wanting to do it and she was just doing it. Cool. It was just easy. 
Yeah. Because it was something that like. (laughs) The the mind is like the human brain. The mind is just is crazy, isn't it? It is. This has got to be such rewarding work for you to like to have this knowledge now and then be able to share it and see instant transformations like that in people is just fascinating and rewarding. I can imagine not beyond beyond belief. For sure, because problems like hold hands with other problems. So you can resolve one Mm. thing, but you will you will um, often find that other things are affected as well. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Or it's funny you mention it, like you focus on one. It could be even the same problem. I always view it as like a -a whack-a-mole. It's like some problem, but you have it contextually compartmentalized in a certain way. So you hit Mm -hmm. that one down. And then it's like the same energy, but it's like over here and you're like, ah, you know, yeah. or like it's, it's changed. It's like the variant of like COVID. It's like, now there's this variant of that, like feeling you're like, oh man, I got to do this one too. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. so it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's just never ending. But the thing is, is like, yeah, you just, you know, bringing the, the proper mindset. I think it's so, like, to your point is this, it all comes down to you, you want to, you want to change. People are coming to you because they want to change. They, whether, no. whatever the reasons may be, however far down they fell or just the perception that they're falling and they are ready for change, right? They're, they're yeah. coming to you for, for that reasons, which is again, equally rewarding. So, oh, this fantastic uh, conversation. This stuff's really fun to talk with you about. Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, let's, let's get into uh, just if people want to follow you and find you and, and reach out to you as far as getting some sessions or whatnot, where can we find you online, Adrian? Sure. So I do have a Facebook page. Um, and uh, did you want me to just say that out? You know, or... I can throw it in the show notes. Um, okay. You know, and if you have, um, is it basically just your, your name? It's like Facebook and then just uh, search your name in Facebook or? Um, yeah, let's just right here. Yeah, facebook.com slash adrian.daily. Okay, nice and easy. Yeah. And then I also have Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, I can put the, I'll just give you those in the notes. Cause there's some funny letters in there. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah. And you know what you might, you may have actually give them to me. I'll double check. If not, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if you didn't, how about that? And then okay. I'll okay. include it in the links. Sure. Sounds great. Um, yeah. yeah. And you know what, other than that, it was very fascinating interview. I, I yeah. love talking about the, uh, um, I just, I, I get uh, really wrapped up in the, um, you know, the whole, the human brain is a fascinating thing. And I think the work you're doing is amazing. It's great that you're, uh, you've really found a way to take your experience, which could have been very, very negative and had a unhappy ending and you've turned it into a happy ending. And now you're sharing it with other people and having them have a happy ending. So win-win yeah. all around great story. Sure. It's, yeah. uh, it's great. So yeah. Um, yeah, I wish you all the best and we'll definitely have you back on at some point. I, I always invite everybody that I have on here as a, you know, repeat guest. So if you have anything that comes up that you want to promote or you have a, you know, whatever it may be book or program or something that comes up by all means, hit me up and I'd love to support you. Okay. Awesome. Well, I just have one thing that I wanted to add was do. just, if anybody is having, um, a problem in their life, it is the subconscious mind that holds that problem. So many of the mainstream solutions that we look at just deal with the conscious mind. Like when we talk mm. about our problem, that's all conscious. Yeah. But if you want to do, if there's anything, um, you know, I think hypnotherapy was put on the back burner, but it is really, it provides massive change for people. Mm. So if anyone has one in, in their area at home, wherever they live, 
um, you know, if they ever want to see someone like one-on-one, -on -one, if they've got a problem, I would just really look into it themselves and consider that. Cause I don't think many people consider it, but yet it it works with the part that the, where the problem is. That's great. Yeah. I'm glad you, uh, yeah, summed it up. Actually, I have two quick things that came from that. Cause it's very well worded. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, first off, can you do it on yourself? Can you do like self hypnosis and, and you know what I mean? Do you know yourself well enough where you can go? Okay. If I not, not this style because, oh, okay. because the subconscious cues, I wouldn't catch them with my conscious mind. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Like, that makes sense. <laughs> Wait, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. No. Okay. I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can do the hypnosis like to the degree of, you know, listening to hypnosis tapes and receiving suggestion and that. Yes. Um, sometimes the problem with receiving suggestion though, is that it's not your, it's not suggestions you've come up with. So sometimes we can negate them. Yeah. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, like I know that that's been very effective for some people for like smoking or sleeping. And stuff yeah. Like that. That's yeah. right. I know exactly which ones you mean. I've, I've used one for sleeping before. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Final question that came out of uh, what you're mentioning is like, I guess it's more of a statement and it's, it's worth putting it out there. Cause for, for me growing up, uh, it was always, yeah, the, the, like ravine, I think his name was the guy that does the hypno suggestion for quitting smoking or mm -hmm. like, it's like the trick on like in Vegas where they call somebody up and makes you think that you're in front of Keanu Reeves or whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, I'm, I like how you're getting it out there. That it's like something far more powerful. And it's, it's almost a, I feel it's like too bad that it's been, um, sort of dismissed almost, hasn't it? Like in a sense, like it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It does, but do you feel like it is, it's kind of, is getting some momentum again? Like uh, when you were taking it in, in school and, and learning it, did mm -hmm. it, do you, do you kind of get this idea that it's getting a little more widely accepted at this point? Um, I think that there will still be a long way to go because we are, we so heavily lean on the mainstream stuff. Sure. Um, but um, I know that the following with this method, this conversational hypnosis, I know that's getting bigger. And, uh, so I'm, yeah, I really hope so. I mean, I don't really understand why it's not mainstream. It's unfortunate that, um, it usually isn't covered by, uh, they'll like psychotherapy will be, but hypnotherapy won't be really. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Because it really does. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a solution for, for a lot of people, you know, I can't really make a complete blanket statement, Sure, sure. Like, yeah. you know, say yeah. that, but, no. but it, it, it is, I'm, I'm hoping that, um, that even just me and myself, that I can kind of open people's minds up more to it. Right. Yeah. No, that's a, And that's why I like it. I, I I'm glad that you had that, um, sort of that prepared statement that you have, uh, towards the end. Cause that's, awesome. I wouldn't have even thought about that. It's like, you know, we, the, we focus on the ma these mainstream solutions, but that's just working on the conscious mind. So the way that you said it, that's money. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was the mic drop moment, but I'm sorry. It, it ended up inciting a couple more questions out of me. So, but yeah, that's, that was, yeah, that was a great statement. I, I love that. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely, uh, I'll paraphrase that and put it in the, um, in the show notes as well. So again, Adrian, okay. thank you so much for your time. Thank Best you. of luck to you. And we'll definitely yeah. have you back on the show at some point. Okay, wonderful. Thank you awesome. so much. Thank you.